What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined tonight by Chris Grenham. We're going to have an episode tonight breaking down Celtics versus Wizards. The Celtics lost 116 to 107. The first iteration of the Geno Time Championship this season. Grenham is going to get some gloating in here as the Wizards have defeated the Celtics. And you would think that I would be willing to admit defeat after the Celtics looked this bad. The Celtics looked terrible tonight. They just looked awful. The Wizards looked better. They played harder. They won despite Bradley Beal just not being able to hit anything. I mean, go ahead, I guess. (laughs) I will stand by my offseason take of the Wizards being the better of these two not-so-good teams because I still don't think the Wizards are a great team. I think they're a lot of fun. And I think they play a lot harder than the Celtics do, which we'll certainly get into on this episode. But it was a fun, like, I think these games are going to be fun, which gives us good content considering how we stretch that wizard Celtics argument into a couple episodes during the off season. But I do think they are at this stage pretty evenly matched. Honestly, we were genuinely arguing about that. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) that was a real one. I still think you guys are, I don't know. I mean, it was a real one. And, and I was, and I was, far more passionate about that take than another basketball take because it's my favorite team. So I have like actual like gusto behind it, but that was a real argument, which makes it all the more better. That one carried over into the group text. It just kind of kept going. There was a lot of unpublished content regarding wizard Celtics. So yeah, but tonight was a, uh, it was a good effort from the wizards. I mean, from the wizards perspective, the fact that they're one holding teams to under 110 points and two winning games where Bradley Beal kind of sucked and scored less than 20 points. That wouldn't have happened last year. So it's a nice development. No question. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit salty on this (laughs) podcast because I still maintain that I think I'm right that the Celtics are a much better basketball team, like, or at least that the Celtics should be a much better basketball team. Mm -hmm. That I think is going to be the key distinction I went back and looked up a couple of things earlier tonight for my takeaways on Boston.com. So there was a game on January 1, 2021, where the Celtics took on the Detroit Pistons. They lost 96 to 93. And in that game, Marcus Smart afterwards said, we weren't ready, plain and simple. We came out lackadaisical. They talked about the need to come out strong and to not just rally when they're down, but to like play hard the whole game. And Jalen Brown said, Continuing to make the effort and adjust will be key to us, but I think we'll be fine down the line. And I got to say, man, the similarities between like the things that people were saying that that loss last season made the Celtics three and three. The Celtics are now two and three like those. I mean, it is eerie. Like we are right back where we were at the same point last year. And it's just, look, we're going to ride the roller coaster here in the early going. You kind of do that no matter what, because we just don't have, we only have a small sample size to react. There is a chance that the Celtics go on like a nine game winning streak and nobody talks about this ever again. I mean, there's a chance that the Celtics lose the next 15 games and we're talking about, oh, this team is actually just bad. Whatever happens next happens next. But if you look at last year's team and you look at the 72 games that they played and how much like those 72 games, the first five games here have looked, I don't know how you can not start to draw some of these comparisons. Yeah. I mean, the comparisons are very obvious at the surface, but then 
if you do what you did and you dig back in for some post-game quotes from the first five or six games last season, that's not what you want to hear if you're a Celtics fan because last season was not fun at all. Ime Odoka did refer back because some of the questions he's gotten post-game over these first couple games is, you know, these are some tendencies from last season. How do you go about maybe adjusting moving forward? And tonight, unprompted, he did say, you know, maybe it's some things carrying over from last year, some habits we need to break. So he unprompted did say that tonight. And I think it's impossible to look at this start and not tie it back to last year. Like, I don't understand how there's an effort issue at this point in the season. You're five games in here. Why is there an effort problem? It's very discouraging. The Raptors game, I'm willing to spot you. It shouldn't have happened. It did. It's whatever. If you came out, you know, you played hard against the Rockets. You played hard against the Hornets. Fine. And I think the thing that's weird to me is, can you pinpoint what it is? People talk about effort all the time. I don't watch this team and think to myself, they're not trying. Right. I watch this team and I'm just like, why are they losing? (laughs) I don't know what to make of this team when they're like this. To me, the way I would describe it is they just look flat. It's not that they're not trying. It's like there's no burst behind them. Sometimes you see a team come out and punch an opponent in the mouth. This team has shown no signs of having the ability to do that. That is kind of where I land. You're right. It's not that they're not trying. It's just kind of the manner in which they're playing. It's just very flat. And that, I think, is much tougher to fix than a team that's just not trying. It's interesting, right? Because it's almost a disservice to Marcus Smart to call him the heart and soul of this team. Marcus Smart is not the heart and soul of this team. This team would be so much better off if Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of this team. He does try. He plays really tough defense. He was really good on the defensive end tonight. Obviously, his offense was abysmal. It's been abysmal all year. He's 25.5% from the field, 23.5% from three-point range. But defensively, he was really good. He stayed in front of guys. He made big plays. You can tell when you watch the Celtics play defense that there are a few guys who know where they are supposed to be at all times. And those guys are Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Those guys know exactly where to be. Everybody else is just kind of like just suspended in time. But if he was the heart and soul of this team, this team would be a lot gutsier and wouldn't be so flat. They're so flat. Like that's the right word for it. They're not not trying. They're not giving up. I don't think they hate each other. They're just a flat basketball team. And I totally think that's tougher to fix than if it was just a purely effort thing. It makes it much tougher for the staff to try to go about, you know, tweaking these problems. My one counter to the Marcus Smart point, I agree on the defensive end. Like if he truly was the heart and soul of this group, or at least a a representation of this group, they would be so much better defensively. However, this team does ride the roller coaster during games like Marcus Smart does, because Marcus Smart, he has been so bad offensively, really. Like he's had a couple of okay stretches, but he's been really bad. He has been, for the most part, very good defensively. Like he had some stretches tonight where he was kind of rough early on defensively. And even toward the back end of this game, he had a couple bad possessions. But like the middle of this game, second and third quarters primarily, he was unbelievable defensively. But those kind of ups and downs on both sides of the ball is what this Celtics team was tonight specifically. They were really good for some stretches. I mean, they took advantage when Daniel Gafford went down and the Wizards were basically dealing with one center during the second half. They had to run Davis Bertans at center and the Celtics take full advantage. You know, they go on, I think it was a 22 to eight run, I think, to close the third quarter. They have good stretches, but then they just fall flat again. So that would be my one counter, whereas they kind of 
have those dramatic ebbs and flows as a team, just like Marcus Smart does on both sides of the floor. It's just kind of concerning where in your first couple home games here, you're you're that flat. It's very concerning. Another thing defensively, while we're just on that side of the floor talking about Smart, like Smart's been great. It baffles me even more than, honestly, even more than the fact that they've been so flat, which I guess it kind of ties in with this. This team has the personnel to be a legitimate top five defense in the NBA, a very good defensive team. They have stunk defensively for the first couple games here, like been really, really bad. I don't really get it. I think a lot of it might come down to what you were alluding to before, where it's a new system and some guys just don't really know where they're supposed to be at this point against the Knicks. You saw some issues with the switching tonight. Like it's beginning to end. They were really bad defensively. Their interior defense was horrific. I don't know really where exactly to pinpoint it, but my main takeaway here is that it just blows my mind that this team has such good defensive personnel and they've been so bad through their first five games. The Celtics have some good defensive personnel, but Dennis Schroeder is small and Dinwiddie took full advantage of that and made sure that Dennis Schroeder knew he was small tonight, kept doing the you know hand to the ground thing of like, you're too little to guard me. You look at Josh Richardson, how sure are we that Richardson is a good defender? Because you talk to anybody who, who watched him in Dallas, they're not super impressed with him. You know, you talk to anybody who watched him in Philly, they're not super impressed with him. Before the season, you know, we talked about like, well, those were not ideal situations for him. I think all of that was true, but at the same time, maybe he just is going to struggle. Like, I think that one of the problems is like, you talk about like a team that has defensive personnel, but they don't have all that much versatility outside of their big three at Horford. Like those guys are all pretty versatile, but like if any of those guys is off the floor, you're going to have a few guys who aren't, and that's not ideal. I think there are kind of issues with the like arrangement of this team and those issues aren't going anywhere. Josh Richardson is he's under contract, right? Like he's, he's sticking around for a little bit. That man, like 15 minutes, zero field goal attempts tonight. One thing I will say, I do not understand why Peyton Pritchard or Aaron Neesmith did not play over him tonight. He did nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, you look at Grant Williams, Grant Williams did not have like a great game but he had six free throws. He went out and tried very hard. That matters. Like, I don't know, man. Defensively, I I think I see what you're saying because there are good individual defenders on this team. But I wonder if we overrated a little bit how good defensively this team would be just because, I mean, so much of being a good defensive team in the modern NBA is versatility. And I don't know how much of that the Celtics have. Yeah, I think personally, I went into the season overestimating the versatility. I I think that's a good angle on it because you're right. They don't have all that much. They have good skilled guys defensively in their specific corner. But there's not a whole lot of versatility there. And that does create a problem when you have a guy like Dennis Schroeder matching up with Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, that's just not going to work. To the point about Josh Richardson, I do not think it is an overreaction through five games to say, hey, this might not be working out. Like, there might be some serious problems here. And I'm not saying sit him at the end of the bench and never play him again for the rest of the season. That's not what I'm saying. What I am getting at is the best case scenario is a long way away. Like before the season, we're talking, all right, what are we going to get? Are we going to get Miami Josh Richardson? Are we going to get Dallas? Are we going to get Philly? What are we going to get? Miami is so far beyond the horizon at this point. We are far, far away from that. And in a game like this, I think it was Danger Cart, friend of the program, Ryan Bernadoni tweeted out, you know, if you're going to lose to a a mid-tier team, 
at home, you could at least play some of your young guys. And yeah. I fully agree with him. He's spot on. There were so many stagnant stretches for this offense tonight when nothing was really happening out there. Tossing Pritchard, tossing Neesmith, just for small stints. What is Josh Richardson giving you out there during those stretches specifically that those two guys wouldn't? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. The Neesmith's conversation is its own thing. I've been very curious about his lack of minutes early on the season. That's been a really interesting storyline, I think, but I'm with you. I, I was really, really confused at the fact that Pritchard and Neesmith didn't even get a little stint or one of them didn't even get a stint during tonight's game because this offense was choppy as hell for the entire game. It's going to be interesting. I, I have to rewatch the game. I texted you before we started recording that like Rob Williams had this like really interesting stat line. I think he was like 13, 11 and four blocks or something like that. And I remember him being on the floor somewhat, but there is a lot of stat line there that I just have no recollection of whatsoever. Maybe mystery stats. The Celtics did add two points to their own total tonight, which I'm sure you loved. I was losing my mind in the middle of this game because At the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was very apparent for those who have like in the media section, you've got the screen with the box score and then you've got the scoreboard in front of you. And just two points just mysteriously appeared out of thin air. And I'm sitting there for six minutes. This is not the right score. These people are happy. They're actually losing by one point. This is not the way this should be happening. But you're right. Are those four blocks for Robert Williams part of the mystery numbers here? Because I don't remember any of them. It's a great stat line. And Rob Williams, for the most part this year, has been good. Like it was, it was a very solid stat line, but you're right. I don't remember any interior notes in my head from the Celtics interior defense. We're all negative tonight. Yeah, not a lot of good stuff. Out no, there. no. A lot of Montrez Harrell in there. <laughs> he, they had nothing for Montrez Harrell at all. Which like, I'm sorry. Montrez Harrell is a good player. He's not that good. But if you have nothing for Montrez Harrell and you have two very good big men, like something isn't right. He man. was he really like they really had nothing for him. He was nothing. bullying them inside. You knew anytime he got the ball inside, there was nothing they were going to be able to do about it. He was laughing at them. Yeah. So there was the one play. I will give Horford this. That was a bad foul call that uh, it was got hit with. I mean, he blocked Harold twice on the same yeah. play and got hit with a foul. Both of them were about as clean as it could be. Mm. Tough call. However, Harold makes both the free throws and he's literally just laughing at the Celtics as he runs down the court. And it's like, yeah, he knew they couldn't stop him. A couple possessions later, he was staring at their bench, just like aggressively flexing at their bench. And they were like, yeah. Good job. If you're the Celtics, you deserve that. That's what happens when you don't work hard. That's what happens when you don't play hard enough when you're flat. Montrez Harrell never plays flat. The Celtics don't have anybody like that aside from smart. They really don't. What they need an energy burst. We did talk about that before the season started. The fact that they they miss like back in the Jay Crowder days. They had guys like that who are just in your face at all times. And Marcus Smart is, you know, close to that. But outside of him... Who else? Like Jalen Brown, sometimes in, in some of these early games, he'll be great. And then Imiodoka said it was mind boggling, but he just looks like he is sleepwalking sometimes. It's very odd. He had an awful game. Yeah. We don't but he is so good when he's so good. And then he's so bleh when he's like, it makes no sense. Wait, real quick, before we move a little further in here, on the Horford foul call with Harold, obviously. Imidoka didn't have the challenge because he challenged a blocking call that. Why do coaches ever challenge those? That's what I was just going to say. Those, those bang, bang calls, they never get overturned. They never, ever, ever get overturned. And I think 
ever since Emu Odoka didn't challenge the Jalen Brown call in the season opener in New York, he's just a little challenge happy, it seems like. And I think if he and his staff gave that one a little bit of a closer look, you're like they're not going to overturn that. Because you're right, that never gets overturned. That one was never going to happen. And no. then, yeah, not only do you lose that one, you also lose that save out of bounds mm-hmm. that, that the Celtics... Which I think was also a bad call. I think it was. Mm-hmm. So what I think they called was that Jalen Brown landed before he got rid of the ball. That is, yeah. And I could see that one. But like that one would have been worth challenging too because you know how that possession ended? A Spencer Dinwiddie three-pointer. Yep. Like Also, it was pretty funny after the Horford block, the terrible call on uh, Harold, they gave an immediate obvious makeup call on the other end <laughs> on Kyle Kuzma against Jason Tatum. They definitely looked up at the jumbo John. They're like, oh, that was a terrible call. We got to fix that one. <laughs> and I mean, you know, that was, and I mean, that was the thing, right? The Celtics, the Celtics got points in response to both of those buckets. They got yeah. a layup on the other end after the Dinwiddie three. So realistically, I mean, I, I wrote about this on BDC too, that the Celtics, like both of those calls were bad calls. There, There is a case to be made that that's five points that probably should not have been on the board. Like if those five points are off the board it's a completely different game down the stretch right, right. Like, on the other hand don't use your challenge so early on a play you're definitely not going to win your challenge on right. and much simpler just try just try a little harder <laughs> throughout the game just don't play so flat and maybe you will deserve to win because the Celtics at no point deserved to win this game tonight even when they were in the lead they literally didn't deserve to win because they literally were not in the lead the Wizards were actually in the lead because somebody <laughs> screwed up the scoreboard <laughs> That's so true. You finally get the lead, but you actually don't have the lead because you actually don't deserve it. You didn't deserve to have the lead. You give up 36 points in the paint in the first half. You do not deserve to win a basketball game. That is pathetic. That is insane. Against the Wizards who, yeah, Daniel Gafford and Montrezl Harrell are good, but you should not be giving up 36 points in the paint in the first half. That is crazy. They're good in the way that like a poor man's Rob Williams is good. Rob Williams is not going to dominate you with the number of points he scores. He's going right. to do like a lot of other good things that really help your team. That's Daniel Gafford and Montrez Harrell. They're going to do a lot of other things that really help your team. If they're putting up that many points. <laughs> Montrez Harrell was unguardable tonight. Oh. That should never be said. <laughs> should never be said. Unless it's in like back when he was at Louisville in a non-conference game. Another takeaway, if we're just rifling through here, another takeaway I had, Jason Tatum just loves yelling at refs still. Like he can't, cannot rein it in at all. He got teed up in, even on some plays where he would make like a nice move, he would, you know, draw a little contact miss and the Celtics would get the offensive rebound and get a bucket. He would still be screaming at the refs on his way back down the court. He's like, man, come on, you scored. It's all right move along and it's like he does things that you know are going to be technicals i think that's the thing that like if he was just getting whistled for text because he said something or whatever i mean rasheed wallace when he used to get technicals would obviously say something to the referees and it was like he was testing the line like seeing what he could get away with and just kind of had always had something smart to say and eventually the ref would get sick of it and tee him up tatum does the thing that will get him the technical. He slams the ball on the floor. He used to do that a lot last year. Tonight, he waved his hand at the official. He made the action, the give me a technical then action. Like, don't just do the technical action. I'm so mad. I'm doing the technical action. It's stupid. It's counterproductive. I mean, the Celtics had just gotten a bucket and Tatum is like, here, Wizards, have a point because I got mad. It makes no sense to me. 
all actions that he's been teed up for before. It's not yeah, like he doesn't so know these done. actions are technical actions. You you text us, you're like, it's almost like he wants to get it. It's It honestly seems like it sometimes because it's inevitable when he's doing the things he does. But got to be really frustrating for Emu Doka, who has made it very clear that he doesn't want chirping at the refs. And he's gotten, granted, there were some bad calls tonight on both sides, but he's gotten a lot of chirping <laughs> early on here from his star player. It's so stupid. And then after the game, you know, he sort of like kind of takes accountability for it, but it's like, okay, like you can take accountability for it as many times as you want, dude, but like you're still getting the technicals. Like accountability only matters if it actually changes your actions. And it has not changed Jason Tatum's actions one iota. Really bizarre start to the season, honestly. Dude, I think we, I think weird is the only way I can put it. I don't know what to make of this team. A couple more quick takeaways I had. I thought it was interesting that Dennis Schroeder called for more pick and rolls with him and Al Horford. And I also think it's interesting that he's right. Schroeder, the last two games, has looked really good. And he's made me actually kind of wonder, if I were the Celtics, I would want to start Rob Williams because I have really high hopes for him and he has shown a lot of flashes. But at the same time, if you're trying to win basketball games... I wonder if the smarter thing isn't to start Schroeder and Horford and right. Smart along with Jalen and Jason, because I do think Horford gives you just enough extra spacing to maybe make up for Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder's been making threes the last yeah, year. Yeah. Maybe he will give you some spacing at some point. But like Schroeder's been so good. He has calmed the offense down. Yudoka talks today about the pace that he played with. Pace can mean two things, right? It doesn't necessarily mean everybody's running all the time. Right. It also means like, he gives the proper pace. Mm-hmm. He gives the right pace to the game. That's something that Jalen and Jason do not do. That's one of the problems with what Yudoka was saying about like having them handle the ball more. They don't play with good pace. Tatum especially. His pace is terrible. Like he's an awesome basketball player, but just awful with like pacing. Not a point guard. So right. having a guy who is a point guard and who does all the point guard things really helps. It totally does. I mean, this game really could have gotten out of hand in the second quarter if it weren't for Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I think he had 15 points in the quarter alone. He was so good. The Celtics are so screwed if he doesn't have that second quarter and just keep them above water. It was so vital that he kept them in this game at that point. I agree with you and Schroeder that you need a little more two-man game between him and Horford. And I think it makes more sense to have them on a second unit together, at least for the time being. I'm not a fan of the smart shooter combinations, at least what we've seen so far. I I don't have a lot of faith in that moving forward. I don't sure they had an okay stretch against Toronto where you could, or I think it was against Houston actually, where they started to, you could tell, get a little more comfortable together, but you're playing the Houston Rockets. So I think everyone's going to start to feel comfortable against that team if you play enough quarters. I don't have much faith in the smart shooter combination. I do have faith in Schroeder Horford, like you said. So I think if you were to run them as a second unit, that would be pretty ideal. Not for nothing. The Celtics are one and they're one and four without Schroeder because they also lose that game against the Hornets in overtime. There were stretches during that overtime period where Jalen and Jason just stopped understanding dribbling. And Schroeder kind of comes in and he's like, okay, guys, calm down. And he just started like has an assist to Jalen. He hits like a mid-range jumper. Everything's a little bit better. They they need him a lot to be at their best. Like they, they need that that point guard presence. It turns out the way things have been done in the NBA for a long time is you have a really good ball handler, handle the ball and pass the ball. And that kind of works. So maybe the Celtics should just do that. It's pretty useful. It's pretty useful. I mean, you're right. He did the same kind of thing tonight in terms of coming in and just calming everyone down. He comes in in the second quarter. He hits a three. He gets a steal. 
he has an assist, just bang, 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 all in a row. And everyone's like, okay, like, let's let's follow that guy. Like, he looks like he knows what he's doing. It's like, it's just a calming presence. And I, I kind of forget, like, Dennis Schroeder's a vet. He's been around for a while. He, he knows how to come in and just kind of calm things down. He's not just a burst scorer, which is kind of what he, a role he's been thrust into over the last couple of years. But he's more than that. He's a good point guard. So I think he's really important to this team. All right. Any closing thoughts? It could be worse. The Lakers lost to the Thunder tonight. At least you're not losing to the Thunder, who, which in fairness, the Celtics did this last year, but the Thunder don't like to win games at their current state of their franchise. It could be worse. So it's very early. They still have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the top of their roster. I doubt Jalen Brown is going to have this high of an ebb and flow rate throughout the season, at least I hope. Otherwise, it's going to be a very dramatic season. But I think things will even out a little bit. This team is not as flat as they played tonight, but I some people should lower their expectations a little bit. Maybe raise them on the Wizards. Don't ever do that. <laughs> I'm going to give a positive and a negative. So I'm going to start with the negative, and then I'm going to end with the positive, and that's going to make it look like I'm optimistic, but that's not the case. I am just, these are the two things that I'm looking at with this team right now. The negative is that this team looks exactly like last year to the T. They are flat. They are inconsistent. The positive note is that pretty much everything that is going on with the Celtics comes down to effort and like not being flat. That's all it is. It's all fixable. It's just a matter of trying and whatever it is that makes you not flat in an NBA game. It's those two things. So fix that and you're good. I don't know that they're going to do that because of last year's team. So I don't know where to end my positive and, and, and my negative. They're basically the same thing. This team could be good. They have plenty of talent. They just have to kind of do it. Like you just have to kind of go take it. When the Celtics decide, well, you know what? We're going to take this game. We're going to take this game against the Hornets. We're going to win this overtime period. They're good. Right. And like, we should be better than the Wizards. They're not. Yeah. And to add one further optimistic note onto your positive, sometimes it just takes a little bit to get used to your new circumstances. And there is a new full coaching staff here. There's a lot of new personnel on the court. There, there were a lot of changes. So I do think tempering some of the negatives is important because I do think there's an adjustment period with the new staff and they didn't have a whole lot of consistency toward the back end of the preseason. They had some COVID absences, they had some injuries. So I do think there are some excuses there. And I think that can add a sliver of optimism in there to say, hey, there's still in that adjustment period. Maybe as the staff gets used to the personnel and vice versa, things will go on the up and up. We tried harder to find optimism than they tried to find a win tonight. So yes. I don't feel bad for ripping them. I think Ime Udoka ripped them as hard as we did. He just did it in more efficient terms, talking about how like they didn't try it shoot around. And he was like, well, you're going to get your asses kicked. And then sure enough. One final thought here. He's very transparent. At least oh. I don't know if this is going to change because he's going to start catching on here. I don't know, but I love it. It's fantastic. Him saying, you know, I told him this morning they were going to get their asses kicked. And look what happened. They got their asses kicked. I told him this was going to happen. And then him talking about Jalen's up and downs calls it mind boggling. I love the transparency from Ime Doka. We'll see if it pays off. <laughs> because whatever Brad tried with this group didn't work. And I, I don't know that it's Brad's fault, but whatever he tried didn't work. So whatever Ime is doing, this is new and they need yeah. something new. Something's got to be different. All right, guys, 
We appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you to anybody who's left us a rating or a review. We really do appreciate it. Those things really do matter for us. So thank you. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, which a few of you might after this episode, uh, you know where to find us. We will talk to you all again soon.